let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Hello and welcome back to the Football Babble. Uh, we're back. It is Monday the 9th of August. The season in the Premier League season is starting this up and coming Friday. Arsenal host in Brentford. Um, so myself, Phil, Stephen, Patrick and Brenton are on the podcast tonight. Hello lads. And good evening. Hello. Good evening. Johnny will be back before the start of the season to give us his uptake on the Arsenal and where they're going to get going but we'll touch that here on the week. We're going to look at, uh, well, one of the biggest uh, transfer stories, maybe player fallouts from club of all time in the Messi saga. Um, the four of us are going to talk about it. We'll look at possible other transfers that might be happening, could get done as we're talking. Last podcast we did last week, Lukaku to Chelsea was being fairly well mentioned and almost, well, we thought we were going to get agreed while we were on the podcast, but it hasn't done yet, but I, do, I believe he's, He's flying in for a medical, and um, we're doing a great deal. Um, so we're going to talk about all that. Grealish has signed for Man City. Harry Kane could be following suit. So yeah, there's a lot to get into before, as we said, the season starts on Friday. Um, <clears throat> Stephen, last episode, all of us touched on our own respective clubs. Brent did Chelsea, John did Arsenal, Harry did Liverpool, I helped him. Manchester United, we talked about as well, but you weren't there, so it's only fair you give us your thoughts on it. Decent summer window? I think so. Um, I don't think they signed the centre half I would have liked them to get. Um, and I think, I think Paddy messaged into the group the other day and I think he's dead right. It feels like they're a midfielder away from really, really contending at the top of the Premier League. But if they can somehow get, like, France, Paul Pogba, um, I think they're in with a decent shout of a top two finish and a good, good Champions League run this year. It's whether they can get that out of Pogba for 40-odd games is the is the big question, I think. You need a France and Golo Kante in order to do that. You do. You do. Um, and I don't see how United have, have kind of have helped in that department at all, really. Feels like a lot of the workload is still going to be on Fernandez and Pogba with, with very little in, in terms of like support behind them. Like I know they have McCominay kind of earmarked to that position, but the fact that Solskjaer kept going to manage in big games last year at times would make you think that maybe they don't feel like McDominay is the answer there. But I do think, like, look, Sancho, I think, is a is a really good signing. It, it kind of tells you a lot of what about the signing that, like, people couldn't really find fault in it, which they have done with a lot of United signings recently, like. Um, and I do think that helps the midfield. It helps the rotation in the midfield because, like, they can't keep like playing Fernandez for ninety minutes every game. Um, we saw what he was like in in the Euros. By the time like that season was 
was up. Um, he was so tired. He was so exhausted. So, I don't know. I think all in all, it's... Like, part of me feels that... Part of me feels that no matter how good they get... And, like, I think the transfers were smarter this year than they have been. I think uh, Varane is, you know, a really good signing, but he still has to play beside Harry Maguire, and I do worry about Maguire, um, for all the reasons I've outlined over the, the year I've been, been appearing on this podcast. Um, but I do think it's, it's a better option than, 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 you know, than what was there. And he obviously comes with a huge proven pedigree as well. I just would have liked to see a second centre half signed kind of challenge the status quo that Maguire has to start every game or whatever. Um, but yeah, going back to, sorry, what, what, what the point I was trying to make is that like, I don't, no matter how good the signings, no matter how good the structure, it's still Solskjaer as manager, and I just think he can only get the club so far. And I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like there's enough there to win a a, a league. I think there's definitely the potential of a a cup win, and by that I mean a, a Champions League. Cause we you know we don't count the FA Cup, but like it will take a lot of luck rather than skill. I think unfortunately. When you said that um, they didn't sign a center half you would have liked, do you, do you mean like as well as Varane? Like there's, you know, there's nothing about him you don't particularly fancy, is there? Or oh, I, really, is it, I, I really like him. It's just to have someone else there. Like, yeah, you know, okay. I think the best, the best clubs have three really, really good center halves and none of them are assured their position because that's really what you want. You want people challenging at all times um, to break through. Like, obviously, if you have two and you can keep them healthy, great. But we saw with Maguire at the end of the season, what happens if he gets if he gets injured? The cover just isn't there or whatever. So, no, don't get me wrong. I think Varane is a is a really really good signing at it. And like, I don't usually care about transfer fees and stuff like that. But I think at a very good price as well, considering what he's done in the game. Um. So yeah, no, I think I would say I'm. I would say I'm 90% happy with the business they've done, and I don't think they'll do any more. I know they, there was talk of Kieran Trippier at one stage, but it looks like, um, Atletico have priced them out with that. I think they're looking for three times what United are willing to pay. Like he's 30, so it's very difficult to, and Diego Delot has actually been good in preseason. Um, I think he's kind of, his star has kind of is in the ascendancy, uh, for the first time in a long time. So I think overall, I think things are okay. I think the goalkeeper situation is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out as well. Um, so there's, a lot, there's not as many questions as there has been the last few seasons. So that's a good thing. But again, it comes back to do I trust Solskjaer to get the best out of his team? And I just don't. And I don't think I ever will. What do you make of Sancho? Sorry, I'm, I'm just bombarding Steve with questions. But, but it's just a... To me, I don't think we've got his. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we know how good he is. Um, because I like I'm not an avid Bundesliga watcher. I watch the German teams in the Champions League. I watch the on, odd Bundesliga match when it's on. Uh, if there's nothing else on, but like I can't say I'm an expert at all. But like from reading, I, I don't know if you know Roman Murphy, the Irish guy that writes for Goal. Like he raves about him. Uh, he, he, I, I trust his judgment when it comes to football. Um, he's been on the bubbles, Steve. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's a, he's a really, actually, 
long, long story short, I know Ronan. So I did my master's in music journalism and he was a music blogger at the time. Uh, and I've known him like that. Imagine a music blogger. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he, he really rates Sancho. And it's, you know what he does? He does what Fernandez did, which is he instantly comes in and makes everyone nice. around him better. <laughs> well, man, possibly dives as well. Um, I don't think the club that, that, uh, are a fan of a club that, uh, hosts uh, Mohamed Salah can talk about diving by the way but anyway um, no I, I don't mind diving like, it's part of the game like deal with it you know um, there are worse things you can do uh, like handle the ball the difficulty to get your team to a World Cup but uh, Johnny isn't even on the podcast to uh, take thanks for that so. um, <laughs> but like no I think I think that's what he does for me is he instantly makes all those and he's only 21 as well like and you're really yeah. getting one yeah, baby yeah, he is. Like, and even if it doesn't happen straight away this year, like, you know, you saw with Ronaldo what the impact the young player can make at a club like United as well. So I think, it, I think that's all positive. Um, I think getting Cavani back for another year will help, but I think this is the year for Greenwood in particular, I think, to become the main forward, uh, for United. I think he has to, um, and there was part of me last week was thinking when the Messi thing was playing out and Harry Kane was kind of being left in the lurch, that would have almost been the perfect time for United to, to kind of make a move with Kane seemingly unhappy at Spurs and then like Messi potentially going to City uh, and then them spending the money on Grealish as well. I, another striker wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It's just, again, I think I said this last year as well. Like, it's a shame Cavani isn't like five years younger because I think then you've got a really, really good team. Um, but no, it's not, it's not bad. I, I'd be stunned if they didn't finish top three and I, I would hope for a top two finish. Oh, very bullish. Respect that, Stephen. Uh, well, like, there's like, look at last year. They had a shot at like, they had a shot for a decent, part of the season at the title like you know I don't think it was like it never felt real to me it never felt like they were really making a title bid and I feel like they're a better team they're a significantly better team this year than they were last year and I know City have improved as well but I also think Grealish is one of those things it's like it's like getting your favourite cake and then adding chocolate to it like does it really add anything to it like do you know what I mean you've got you've got this club that play the most structured football imaginable and they've just signed the least structured player in the Premier League and that's what makes him so good is his lack of structure um, so I just wonder how much of a help he's going to be or is it going to be one of those situations where they just signed him because they felt like they needed to make a signing because Phil Foden flopped so much at Euro t- uh, 2020 um, yes uh, well, look, he did. Like, it's a thing. He, he got dropped. Um, I've gone into the tournament as the new Gaza. So, um, and I can't help but feel that Greedish is going to flop at City as well. I, I have a friend who's a massive Aston Villa fan, and his whole point was that Greedish thrives when he is the number one guy. And he's never going to be that at City. Like, he's just not. Like, as long as De Bruyne is there, um, it it's not going to be his team. Um, so I I think that helps. That see, I don't think City, on paper City have improved, but I actually don't think they have. So I think that'll help United as well. I I would be going on Mystic May here. Um, I I suspect United and City and Liverpool 
will be in a... And to be fair, Chelsea, I think, have a decent chance as well. I, I do wonder about the money about Lukaku. But again, it's not my money. Um, I think there's a good... I think there's a really good title race waiting to break out in the Premier League this year. And I think it's one that's going to... And I'm not selling Sky Sports here. I don't want to sound like Martin Tyler. But like it's one that's going to keep people on the edge of their seats, I think, longer than most title races, with the exception of like the Liverpool City two, two races. In the last few years, I think it's going to be really tight coming towards the business end of the season. Interesting. Um, I I think we're all in agreement that <clears throat> for me, those four teams uh, are going to be out the front again, and it is going to be the the gears in all four of those teams in there are going to be so. There's going to be so much stupid hype around them. They're going to be massive. Um, so it's interesting, especially if you're neutral going forward this Premier League season. But uh, like. I thought it has been a good summer so far for United. The goalkeeper one you touched on, Steve, before we move on, is interesting. Ian Anderson's been unlucky. He's been caught with COVID, and I don't think he's really shook it off yet. He seems to be sort of still not fully recovered. De Gea is not at his peak, so could be an area where United maybe need to look at. Also, is Dean Henderson, is he really going to be your number one going forward? I mean, PSG, and we're going to talk about PSG, have... I think they have four squads now. Um, and Keller Navas is not going to start when Donnarumma gets into it. Keller Navas will be unreal, I think, at Manchester United as a goalkeeper. So, uh, as their number one, because I mean, he's proven he's with the PSG. He was at Real Madrid. He's in PSG. He was brilliant on the night PSG as well. Yeah. And uh, if I was United, I would be looking at that area as well. I know you said about a midfielder and the possibility of doing a defensive midfielder, don't get me wrong, but if with Donnarumma going in there, they all they have Sergio Rico as well. PSG they're stacked with every position. I, if I was at Manchester United, I would be testing the waters for Keller and Alvas because I think that would be an absolute. I think that's fair point. Someone, someone said to me before that Dean Henderson still plays as if he's playing for Sheffield United. Yeah, and the way United are set up, that exposes him much more. Uh, than the way Sheffield United were set up, which was playing people much deeper or whatever, def- playing defenders much deeper or whatever. And United obviously have that high pressing, semi kind of style that um, Solskjaer likes to use. And I think that those catch him out. Like the amount of times you see a team counterattacking United and Henderson is just outside his 18 yard box and scrambling back before then moving forward. And it always seems to leave him a little bit flat footed. Whereas, like, just step backwards, like, into your box. Like, make sure you're giving yourself enough space that you don't handle the ball outside the box or whatever like that. But you make yourself big. No one, very few players are going to attempt a chip and succeed in an attempt at chip. But he has this thing where he has to scramble back to the six-yard line, then come back out. And he loses so much time, and he makes himself small then when he goes when he's one-on-one. That's that's my biggest criticism of, of Henderson. In, in general is that he makes himself so small whereas I've grown up watching Manchester United with Peter Schmeichel Edwin van der Zara, David De Gea players who played much bigger than they ever were and filled so much more space than they ever did and Henderson is the opposite he plays smaller than he is and that's a bad trait in a goalkeeper so I don't think he's the answer but I think De Gea showed last year that he's not really the answer either so I think unfortunately for him his best years at United were when everyone ahead of him was brutal and now he's actually got a decent starting 10 ahead of him and he's kind of gone off the boil a little bit so I think Navas is a great show um, and I'd be really interested in if if he was available for them to test the water but like 
PSG are going to be playing a lot of games this year. You'd expect, you'd suspect that they might want to keep Navas around just in case. Yeah. Um, well, we will touch on PSG um, very, very quickly. What, did, what, what do you make of, because we all talked about last week, um, we'll get into now some of the signings. What, what, what do you make, Steve, of Lukaku to Manchester, or to Manchester United, back Manchester, to Chelsea? Yeah. I would like to see him at Manchester United. Uh, I think he's a very good striker. I just think, you know, from the Paul Pogba school of going to leaving your club for very little and paying a lot of money for him to come back, it, it's it's an odd way of doing business. But that's what happens when you like we've chatted in in the group chat like many times about like when you sign or have a squad of sixty or seventy players, you have to loan out like. 20 or 30 of them or get rid of them, you know, this is going to happen. I think he's a really good player. And I, I said last year at the end of the season, when we we're kind of wrapping up the season, that Chelsea were a striker away um, from from being a really, really like competitive team at the top Premier League. And I think Lukaku does make them that. I still think like this is not to demean, and, and you know where this is going based on the, the text I sent the other day, like, but... He's an expensive Chris Wood. Like, that's what he is. Um, and I think Chelsea could have done it as a bit of business by, by getting Chris Wood in from, I'm convinced that's a signing that Chelsea would have absolutely benefited Chelsea. Uh, Lukaku will, don't get me wrong, Lukaku will. And I think we saw this sorted out, the defensive side of things last year. Um, I think that was very, very clear that they have improved at the back. I think this year we'll know pretty quickly whether the attacking side of things to come. I hope it comes good for Werner because it's horrific to see a player of that quality just like play so poorly. Um and I think we've seen over we've seen over the summer, like, you know, the amount of athletes who do struggle with their mental health and then and I wonder is it the case where you never see a footballer taking a break for their own own good. But it can't be easy to know that like you're getting all this grief in the press, you're getting all this grief on social media just because you're having an off day or an off month or an off season or whatever the case may be. So I think for Werner, it's a good signing as well because it takes a lot of pressure off him. And I think that ultimately might be the best thing about the move is that you'd imagine Lukaku will come, become the kind of the main striker in terms of like the target man. Um, and that should, I think that should help everyone. So I think Chelsea are, are definitely a better side than they were last year. And I think that's, that's going to make for an interesting title race too. Paddy, what do you make of Lukaku? We'll get, we'll get your thoughts on it, Brad, in the way, of Lukaku uh, to Chelsea. Yeah, it's good signing. Like, you know, makes sense. They need a, they need a nine. Werner hasn't quite caught it. I suppose Werner can play wide as well. So it seems like a perfect move for Chelsea. It's, it's a lot of money, but as Steve said, it's, you know, it's not mine or yours or anyone's money apart from Mr. Abramovich's. So, yeah. It sounds like a good deal. He'll score a hatful there with the likes of Mount and Ziyech and, you know, whoever putting balls on plates for him potentially. He could score a hatful. And we've seen the sort of phenomenal form he was in in, in, uh, in Italy for Inter this year. Basically won them the league. And and then he had a low Belgium, didn't go too far in the Euros. Like, he still scored and scored, uh, scored well there. So... He'll be a threat. Like I wouldn't want to come up against him as a centre half, and I'm sure a lot of Premier League centre halves are feeling the same right now. On Breton, um, where does this leave Werner um, as Lukaku comes in as the main man up front? 
on the left is <laughs> definitely where it leaves him. Um, and I think he's more comfortable there. Like even when he was playing through the middle, or he was supposed to be the main man, he was drifting out there so much, and it was actually so frustrating. Um, because then a lot of the time he was either offside, which happened quite a bit, or there was nobody on the end of things, or he was he was struggling to get in there, and he was the amount of times he you know nearly got on the end of things. Um, and Lukaku operates in that area, you know, um. He, he doesn't particularly want to go out wide. He'll run maybe the, the right channel a little bit, um, which suits Werner as well because he'll be on the other side. So, if, you know, if Tuchel wants to play a three, um, he can do that with Werner, Lukaku, and your choice of, of Pulisic, Ziyech, Hudson-Odoi, Mount, Havertz, whatever. Um, or right he can play... <laughs> See options there, Brent? <laughs> and, and Chelsea, you know, like we all know, Chelsea aren't really a football inside, so they need a big number nine, they need a Drogba, they need a Costa, they need a Lukaku, you know, just to ping the ball up to. Here, what's wrong with big number nine? Oh, no, that's 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 big number nine. No beat tech in Thanks, our so. region. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Uh, as the two lads have said, like he's he's gonna score goals. Like he he's a goal scorer in a team that creates so many chances. We saw from last year how many they created and how many they wasted. So, um, you'd like to think it's a perfect fit. Um, but I think success is is one in the league. Like really, um, you know Chelsea didn't get close enough last year. Um, obviously went on a great run in the Champions League, ended up winning it, but um. Their league form was obviously interrupted by by a change of manager, etc. Um, so, like, it'll be interesting to see what Tuchel does with a full preseason and and you know a full season from the word go. I was listening to a podcast today, and they were, they were talking about the the last three months of the season from March and the sort of difference in expected goals scored and expected goals conceded. And Chelsea were, would have been top of the table by a mile. So, like. They finished the season strongly. They've strengthened. They look great. But like from your point of view, Brandon, like every team has a weakness somewhere. Where where could let Chelsea down? Do you think? If Kante gets injured, um, probably is is the biggest worry because um, you saw like you can you can notice when he's missing more than anyone, um, and you you saw that in. In some of the games last year, um, particularly, or you know, if if they get on a kind of a bad enough run early on, there are there are a few characters there that um, you know could potentially upset the apple cart. I'm, I'm just thinking of Rudiger, etc. You know, only one year left on his deal as well. People don't really know what he's going to do. Um, so, but the main thing I would say is, is if Kante gets injured, because there, there are certain games where Jorginho and Kovacic are okay, um, but there's there's definitely other games where you can, and teams are used to them now, and they know what Jorginho's weakness is. Um, if they get quick players in around them, um, that can that can definitely cause trouble. Is he going to get the number nine? Is he going to be? I think he probably will. Yeah. Um, 
well, if Abraham goes, which, you know, you might need to ask JD about that because the the talk is more and more at, of Arsenal um, at the moment, but I think Chelsea want a certain price. But, um, yeah, I don't think they would, like, well... I can't see them taking the number nine off Abraham and giving it to Lukaku if Abraham's still going to be at the club. Like so, um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I don't think don't think it really matters to be honest. Yeah, I was say, how much does it matter? To, like you see some of the younger players coming through and you see the squad numbers that they have and they kind of wear it as like a badge of honor. Is this is where I came from and things like that. Like, I wonder does it matter yeah. more? Like. I don't want to put you in you lot in the same age category as me, but like you know, you grew up watching teams play one to eleven um, on their on their jerseys. Like it's still nice to kind of there is something about the number nine. I think if the not nine, six, and and four are kind of still have a bit of like prestige about them. And the ten maybe a little bit as well, but not not maybe as much. But like, yeah, it's hard to see if they want to keep Abram around that they they they'd ask him to swap. Like it's it's a big thing in U.S. sports. Like when teams change, you know, American football teams and they've worn a number their entire life. Like they literally pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for the player they 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 want to get the number off just to get it. I don't think you can have a situation like that in a in a football club. Yeah. I don't know. I, there was, I can't remember who it was, but someone had tried to, someone did try and buy, in the top Premier League club, someone did try and buy a number. Really? Not not too long ago. Yeah, there was talk of it. They wanted to buy the number. Um, and then, of course, when Ramos signed for PSG, there was that jokey video with him and, uh, I can't remember the name of the young, was it Kerber? Kerber? Um, he wanted his number, and I don't think Kerber was going to give it to him. And then they told me, "I don't give it to him. I buy it off when he's begging for him." So, yeah, um, I, I, <clears throat> Lukaku was unreal last year. I loved watching him the Milan, and unfortunately for the rest of us, he's going to continue that on in blue. But for Chelsea this season, so that puts him right in the mix. I think it's the only thing really, I think anyway, they were missing, um, and now they've done it. So. To try to get in the full, full season, the Premier League is, um, yes, that is going to be very, very interesting. Um, look, tonight's show is mainly about one, <clears throat> one fella, a little fella from Argentina, and what's been going on at Barcelona, and now when he, we're just waiting on what comes through, moves to PSG, which looks like it's going to be done. The podcast is split on the whole situation, uh, or whether or not, this maybe tarnishes his reputation. So Johnny isn't here tonight, but he he doesn't think it does. Myself and Breton don't think it does. And um, Steve and Paddy, they do they they do think it tarnishes his reputation. So we're going into tonight. Um, but uh, Paddy, uh, you go first. Why do you think this tarnishes his reputation? And I'm going to ask you that. I'm going to ask Breton why you don't think it does. And why also, two questions for everyone here, two questions only. Why do you think it tarnishes his reputation? And what should he have done? So that's okay. for everyone tonight. So for Breton and me, it's why he doesn't, why he didn't, and what we think he should do, or whatever, and then for Steve and things. So it's a little debate we have set up on the podcast tonight. So Paddy, you take us away there. Yeah, well, 
I suppose, uh, like I, I think it does sort of uh, tarnish it for a very small amount. But you know, it goes without saying. I think Messi is. Uh, I mentioned our group earlier on. He's you know the best player there's ever been, the best player there probably will ever be. You know, if we're lucky enough to live even to you know eighty years old and we see another fifty Ballon d'Ors awarded. There's going to be no one who's even close, I don't think, to him, like, unless they genetically modify some sort of mutant in a lab somewhere. Um, like, he's just that good. Um, like, I was reading some of the stats and records and things this week. Like, he broke Barcelona's all-time scoring record when he was 24, like, um, you know, as neck and pints at 24. Um, <laughs> it's just unbelievable, like... Um, half pint. You know, uh, half pint uh, of vodka. Um, but... Yeah, like 91 goals in a calendar year, 21 game, the games he scored in a row in 2012-2013, and then like he's cool as fuck with that polka dot tuxedo uh, lifting the ball on door in 2013. He's unbelievable, but I think it tarnishes it a bit. Now, I think he had very little say in the matter. Obviously, Barcelona are run like an absolute shit show. Um, it's clearly been mismanaged for years, and they've got to this position where their wage cap is totally fucked and they're needing to shift players on, um, including Messi, who's obviously on massive wages, and even half his wages is, is huge wages. But I think it's tarnished it a little bit. Um, again, I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but um, you know, if you look at the other sort of one-club men legends, you know, like Toddy, Maldini, Giggs, Tony Hibbert, you don't really see those guys going to... <laughs> you don't really see those guys playing for other clubs. Like Toddy is, you know, an absolute god in in Rome, and you couldn't see him pulling on a Chelsea shirt, for example, or Maldini going to Bayern or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think there's something I love the the sort of romanticism about Messi, you know, moving over from Argentina when he's 13, and I just in my mind just wanted him to finish his career there. And I know a lot of it was maybe taken out of his hands a little, like he didn't ask to be paid, you know, half a billion euro over his last contract. Um, Barcelona he probably did. Clear, well, yeah, Barcelona <laughs> yeah. clearly run by clowns, like. But um, yeah, it's weird, you know. It's sad, and but I just I do think that, uh, you know, it might have might have tainted it a little bit for me, and maybe for some football fans who love the, the the sort of one club story of Messi, like Ronaldo was sort of globe trotted and, you know, tried to make himself just the the fucking hero, the man, and every place he's ever been. Whereas Messi, just something more pure to him. Um, and I know Brendan's a big Ronaldo fan, but I, I just loved Messi's ethic. And to see him pull on a shirt of, of especially PSG, like fucky old PSG, like that fucks me off too. Like they're just a, they're just a country, like a sports washing country. And I was listening to a thing today and they were talking about the importance of Messi to the, to the Paris brand and that, you know, Jordan aligning with Paris, aligning with Qatar for the World Cup, you know, makes this kind of super brand. And it's just like, that's not football, and I just it's just sort of stank a bit for me, and, and it's just something that I just don't want Messi to be associated with. But yeah, that's just me. In terms of what he should have done, it's very difficult. Um, you know, he'd need a time machine and go back and take less money, probably. But like, no one can doubt his, you know, what he's done for Barcelona. Even he scored thirty league goals last year. Like in the Premier League, came got twenty three. Like he's still in his fucking prime as well. Like it's not like he's away for a you know, a final swan song. Like, he can still go here and win a Champions League for a direct rival of Barcelona. And that's kind of, will kind of be strange as well. So that's kind of where I stand on, on Messi. Paddy, I was, um, that, that, before you mentioned PSG, that's what I was going to ask you. What, 
would it have made a difference to you? Like, or do you think it would have tainted his legacy less if the destination was different? 100%. You know, for example, look at Gerard. So obviously Gerard sort of wound up playing his, his last sort of 12, 18 months at LA Galaxy. Like, you know, that's that's a swan song for him is his time was up at Liverpool and that's fine. He's still considered a Liverpool legend. And, um, you know, it's weird. Like, he's nearly considered a one-club band, but he's not. He played for LA Galaxy because the US just seems so insignificant. Like, they're not a direct competing interest. It's nearly like a, a final lad's jolly. Um, and there's there's chat that he will ultimately, that's his ultimate aim, is to end up there possibly at Inter-Miami. There's there's chat of him and Fabregas kind of meeting up and maybe Suarez at an American club. So it, it, it seems it seems more sort of normal that. And I I do think that would sort of have maybe left a smaller blemish on his, on his uh, glittering career. Okay. Um, nice points put across, Patrick. Well done, you. Stephen, you're also in the same camp as Paddy... I think you agree with everything Paddy would say. Have you anything else to add to that side of the argument? Um, yeah, because I think he knows. See, my issue with it is he's not a kid. He's been around the block. like He's been with one club, but he knows the state of world football. And he knows what sport washing is, because we've seen it with the Barcelona jersey, for example, where you know they never had a sponsor. Then they had a charity... And then all of a sudden they have a sponsor. So he's seen how like pervasive sports washing can be around sport. And he knows that whether he likes it or not, whether he joins Manchester City or Paris Saint-Germain, he takes on the narrative of those clubs. And the narrative of both of those clubs is that the rules of how football clubs should be run doesn't matter. And how teams make their money and reshape entire European footballing structures doesn't matter because success is the only thing that matters. And he becomes part of the PSG story. He becomes part of the Manchester City story. And, like, just the thoughts of a kid running around in a PSG jersey with Messi on its on his back or her back, like, then, you know, the ownership structure of PSG, whatever they're called, the Qatari Sports Institute, or Qatari Investment Authority, whatever they are, like, then they've done their job. They've basically said, yeah, the planet's on fire, and we've made all our money from oil, and that's cool, because the biggest player in the world is now wearing our jersey, and ignore all, you know, ignore all these things that's going on. So for me, like, he doesn't need the money. Like, he he could do a totty and step away and not just not play football again. Like, I know he's more tough around the field and things like that, but sometimes you have to make a moral judgment. And we, we keep talking about this on this podcast. There are sports judgments and there are moral judgments, and all the time they become intertwined. And he's deciding that, Actually, winning the Champions League with PSG because I don't doubt they will win the P- they will win the Champions League if he joins PSG. And likewise, if Man- if he joins if he was to join Man City, even though that looks less less likely now, I think they are 
automatically Champions League favourites because, like, as Paddy pointed out, he's still very much has it on the football field. But he's a chance to kind of make a statement where he can say, do you know what? I've won. Like, that picture of him with all those trophies, like, there has never been a player like Messi. There will never be a player like Messi again. He was an absolute special talent. I saw his first goal in 2005 and uh, for Barcelona in the league, and he came on for Sami Eti and scored a, a goal late on. I think it was against Albacete. But like he'd been, they'd been building him up on Sky for a few weeks beforehand because I think he'd made a couple of substitute appearances, and you could see what he was doing on the ball, and he was like, "Oh wow, this kid is special." And it just grew and grew and grew from there. Um, and to think of that little kid and, and, and all the footballers that he has inspired since and influenced since. Um, to me, it's just a, it's a legacy thing. Like he'll all, I, I don't think it, it, it won't ever stop me when I'm, I'm touch wood talking to my grandkids about, you know, who's the greatest footballer I ever saw. I can't see how it won't be messy. Um, but I think he has a chance or had a chance to kind of make a really, really bold moral statement and he's opted for, like, don't, like, he's not moving, to, he's not moving to PSG to win titles and to win Champions League. He's won them. He's moving for money. Like, that, that would be why he's moving. It's like Jack Reedish today saying he moved to City to win the Champions League. Well, like, they don't exactly have a pedigree in that competition, do they? Like, you know? Um, so, to me, it's just, it just stinks a bit. Um, and, and especially from a guy who's done so much good, like, he's, he's, like, you know, you see all these stories all the time, like that kid in Palestine that was playing in the, the blue and white plastic bags that he put together and drew Messi, you know, Messi on the back of it. And then Messi sent him an Argentina shirt because he's seen him playing on the street with this. Like, you know, he's done good. He's aware of, like, global, events outside of football and yet he's happily happy to ignore them for the sake of you know a few extra million quid in in his kids bank account or his grandkids bank account i don't know just doesn't sit right with me it's very hard for me to square that with the, the player on the pitch Martin, myself and yourself we both think um you know off that he's right to go um He's going to go to PSG or whatever. But what's your thoughts on the whole situation? Then, obviously, so w- would you want him to do anything different, or w- what you think he's doing the right thing, or what's your opinion on it? Uh, for me, it comes down to it's not his fault, um, yeah. and that's that's where, like as Paddy mentioned, I um, what I was saying with bigger. Ronaldo fan than I am a Messi fan, but um, I I just think you saw how visibly upset he was in his press conference, um, and it was genuine that you know he he actually had no choice, um, and I think he he would have been realistically he would have been getting the exact same things thrown at him whether he went to. Man City or whether he went to PSG or whether he went to Chelsea um, which which madly was um, on the cards at one stage apparently as well um, you know he he wasn't the one 
who decided he would cut an amount of money um, and he wasn't the one who financially fucked the club. Um, the This blame, I think, just falls on other people and he was willing to take pay cuts and it wasn't enough. And I don't think anyone would realistically expect someone to work for nothing because that's really what it is. And in, uh, you know, as the lad said, he's, he still is banging and goes. He still is um, one of the best players in the world. And, you know, if you put that in front of Ronaldo, if you put that in front of Harry Kane, Lukaku, whoever, like people form at the minute and said, well, you should just stay at your club and play for nothing. Like it, it, it would never happen. Yeah, so I think he was basically left with no choice. Um, and there's only a few clubs in the world because of who he is, because of what he's done that can um, afford to have him. And yeah, it just so happens it's, it doesn't sit right with me either. Like, but um, it just so happens that it, that it's PSG. But I I don't think Messi's to blame, and therefore as a result of that, I don't think it should affect the legacy that he's built. Yeah, I I don't think. <clears throat> pardon me, sorry. Um, this affects his legacy. What I'll start with, in my points, is the Catalonia Clown School, which is what Barcelona should be known as now. Um. They did a deal to sell Neymar, what, when was that, 2018? Was that when that was done? And that deal, absolutely, that was, that was football as we know it, at the top end, done, finitoed. That was it. They'd broken through, the thing was fucked. We're in a different stratosphere now. Well, some clubs are on a different stratosphere now. The rest of us are going to be left there, behind the back. We'll have to do everything we can stick with it, but we are fucked. That is it, done and dusted. But when they did that deal, and they got so many hundred millions for Neymar, Sid Lowe actually said at the time, and I saw someone bring this up yesterday, and it's perfect, he said at the time, just do nothing, Barcelona. Do nothing. Bank that money, do nothing with it. Sit on it for a year or two, do nothing. You don't need to go mad. You don't need to go spending our money on anything. Don't move. Because clubs are going to rinse you. Borussia Dortmund uh, took 160 million for Dembele. Liverpool took 145 million for Coutinho. Morons! And charge of Barcelona. Morons! Nothing against those two players. Two really good players in a day. World class even though they Absolutely moronic behaviour by Barcelona to go and do that. As soon as they had done that and they got rid of that money, they were goosed. And then the degree that Messi was already on massive wages, they were snookered. Even if he played for free, they can't register him at the minute. How should, like, this is Barcelona. Like, we shouldn't even be talking, like, yes, Messi going to PSG is not ideal for everyone. I'm actually excited to see what happens when PSG turn up. Um, hopefully it's his old Trafford or, uh, the Etihad or Stanford Bridge in Champions League and put on a hard and blue color, like performance. No mate will be Liverpool. But I, I like whatever about that, but we should be talking about holding Barcelona in front of the Hague for stupidity. Stupidity. That is one of the there should be such an unbelievable book or Netflix film done about this in so many years' time about the moronic behaviour 
of Bartomeu and whoever else was in charge of Bartomeu time and their actions because they have absolutely bollocks that club. I don't even think Sergio Aguero's uh, registered yet. I don't think he's been fully registered now. He's injured now for 10 weeks. But conveniently, he's 10 weeks injured when his best mate Messi hasn't come back to the club. But it's just such a morality here. So <clears throat> for me, the Messi legacy, that's not tarnished. Not in my opinion. Uh, yeah, he's gone to PSG. I can understand what the two lads are saying and yourself, Brendan. It's not ideal because it's who they are, but for me, the Messi legacy depends on one thing now. <clears throat> Pardon me. It depends on the World Cup. It's somewhere where it shouldn't be, but it depends on that World Cup. And he has an Argentina team now that are going to be competitive again. They're a good, good side. They are a good side. They can defend well. They have a great midfield. And they have Messi up front with Matar Martinez. And the girl to come off the bench. Di Maria is there as well. They're a very, very good side. A good goalkeeper too. They're going to be a force in Qatar. He's going to League One. And apologies to any League One uh, aficionados that maybe listen to this or massive fans. It's a bit of a farmer's league. Sorry, I don't like saying that, but it is a bit of a farmer's league. And he's going there. And he's going to be. He's not going to have to play every single game for PSG. Whereas he did have to for the last wee while with Barcelona. He had to be involved all the time. He's going to be arrested. And then he does that World Cup. Might have the World Cup of his life. Could possibly end up finally winning it. And that's him done. He can go off to into Miami. He can go off to LA Galaxy, wherever. And that isn't, that will not tarnish Messi's thing. I also, I know what people are saying. Uh, would love you to do it for free, man. Why the, why the fuck should he play it for, for free? And why the fuck, someone on one of the podcasts earlier said, why should he help out that black hole of the, into the base of this Barcelona? Why should he help them out when they've caused utter chaos with money? They're just a black hole of money. It just sinks out of them and away it goes. Nobody sees it ever again. So why should he help them out? I, I'm glad he's left Barcelona. I know it's sad. I'd like them to have left in front of the packed stadium the way it should have done. But I'm glad he has. He's moved to PSG, whatever. That's going to be tight, but for me, there's not a nice sympathy here for Barcelona, in my opinion. The fans, yes, it's, it's sad for them, but I think their anger isn't directed, well, the same ones that Messi is directed at the club and the shambles they've been. Like, even Juan Laporta supposed to be, like, trying to rescue the situation. He's out gallivanting about lording himself around, like, I think it was Madrid with uh, Perez in all the fancy restaurants. Like, like have a bit of wit to at least hide when you're going to do that this week. So in my opinion, no, I, I, like, he's gone, he's gone from Barcelona, they'll recover, they'll not be the side they were, but they still have decent players, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with this PSG side, and how they go into the Champions League, and even League 1, they have a try and retain us from last year, the three squads, but yeah, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying there's, there's wrong opinions on them, because I think everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I just, on my side of it, I don't think he's done anything wrong here, though. I just... There's a couple of points that yourself and Brendan raised there. I don't think I'm saying he should play for anyone for free. That's No, that, I'm not saying you say that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. But I think it's also true that he doesn't need the money. So it shouldn't be the highest bidder that he goes to. What I'm saying, he, he literally a choice of going to any club in the world. He's set up for life. His grandkids are set up for life financially. So he could go to any club in the world. He could go back to Argentina for a couple of years before the World Cup. He could go to England. He could go to Germany. He could go to another club in France or, or, or in England. It's the fact that he has looked at all the clubs in world football 
seeing how, like, we know there's issues with a lot of them, but these two in particular are the worst, and those are the two that are the, are in, in competition for his signing. And like I said, how fucking weird is it to think of a kid running around in a PSG Messi jersey? It just doesn't sit right. It's just not right, because that whole, the whole point of that club is to sports wash what the Qatari government have done, you know, for the past 20 years. Like, that, that is why PSG exists as it does today. Like, and that's what he takes on. And that's why I think it tarnishes his legacy, not as a footballer, but more as a, as a, as a, as a person, I suppose, more than anything else, but as a, a representative of the sport of football. Um, cause he has basically, what he does by signing for PSG is says, do you know what? That's cool with me. And I'm the greatest player to ever play the game. So if it's cool with me, it should be cool for every kid who grows up to think that what the Qatari government have done uh, and what PSG have done to football is fine. And I, that's where I think it sits wrong with me. Like it just He doesn't need the money. Like He could literally go to Stoke and play for 20 quid a week and do it on a Tuesday night and show everyone that they were wrong. Like he, has his, he has his choice here. Like He can... If he, you know, he could go, like I said, he could go back to Argentina, he could play for another club in Spain, he could go to Italy, he could do any of those things. It's the fact that, despite knowing all he knows, because as I said, he's clued in politically, he's clued in culturally, he's still willing to take that money. That's where it doesn't sit well with me in terms of his legacy. Um, because I expected more from him, and maybe I shouldn't have, maybe, you know, don't have heroes, like, you know? Yeah. I know, and I know you think this too, Steve. You should never expect. I know, I know you think that as well. Like we've talked, we talked on the old bubble screen podcast about NBA and NFL players and what to expect from them and, and, and different things. And maybe Messi, maybe, maybe he is driven by money too. We don't know him personally. Like maybe he is thinking, look at the amount of money I can earn here for two years in Paris with one of my best mates, obviously Neymar. And a, and a load of my international teammates. Like, look at this, what I can do to play. Like, as, as painful as this sounds, like, PSG now, we know what's going to happen for two years. They're moving to the front. Hopefully they won't win the Champions League, but they're moving to the front of every non-serious football fan will now pay attention to PSG. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like, years ago, Everyone would know. Everyone would and still does know who Manchester United are, were, even though they have no interest in football. And Liverpool, and when Chelsea came came back into the world, brother, and Real Madrid, or whatever, they all blah blah blah. And PSG, nobody nobody gave the toss. And then they got the money, and they started coming through. And there's laughing at him, Rich, and there's Neymar, and but they're still sort of like, yeah, they're all right, PSG, but they're really going to win it. And now they get him, and that just moves him right to the front of it, and. I don't know, maybe he's bought into the brand and the thing and, and the fact that they're going to light up the Eiffel Tower and all for him, supposedly, and he's bought all into it and he wants to be part of that brand. But I, I, I do understand as well the notion like people were saying, why couldn't he do a Maradona and go to like Napoli? Maradona was pretty well paid at Napoli for the time, like for the times, the early 90s, early, middle 80s, early 90s, like he was still pretty well looked after, which people don't, people seem to forget. But, like the, the idea of would be going back to say Newell's old boys or something, but that that isn't going to happen just yet. He wants to stay relatively competitive. He's gone there, and unfortunately for the rest of us, they are now the team to beat in Europe. And it's up to the rest of our teams to roll in it. 
the big the big nights, the big moments. Um, I I think he's he's an absolute charlatan as well. Like he should be nowhere near any conversation for a Ballon d'Or. Um, I wouldn't want him anywhere near a club that I like or support. To be honest, I think that's a really good point though because that was that's what set Messi apart. Uh, and Ronaldo, to be fair, to a certain extent, it didn't matter if they were playing like Alves or Elche or Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. Like they put in the same performance every time. The likes of Neymar, players like him, that's what that's what puts them in that lower tier. Is that he didn't give a shite against those weaker teams or whatever. Um, and you know you can accuse someone of being a flat track bully or whatever like that, but I think. If you treat every game the same, that's a pretty good start as a footballer in terms of effort level. Yeah. Um, I think that's where Neymar is going. Like, and look, we could do, we could probably do an entire podcast on PSG and what you do better with them if you had those players at your disposal. Because you're right, there's no doubt they've put together a phenomenal squad. But there's no evidence to me that even with Messi, um, with the coaching they have, that they're going to do any better this year than 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 a final of a Champions League. I don't. I can't see them win. I just can't. And on Ronaldo, you made that good point, Steve. I, I went to see a game at the Bernabeu being in Madrid. My mates, lucky maybe five years ago, they were playing Espanyol at home on a Saturday afternoon, and the one kind of routine enough two 0 Morata and Bale scored, and Ronaldo was playing. And I found myself just watching Ronaldo the whole time. He was absolutely busting his gut. He was roaring at people because he because they hadn't passed it to him because he hadn't scored. Mm-hmm. He cared so much about just getting on the score sheet, like you know he's so fucking driven. Whereas you know Neymar might miss a month, as you said, to go to party. You know it's yeah they're yeah. very very different players. Mm-hmm. I I never got the including Neymar in the same bracket as um, Messi and Ronaldo. In fact. When they were doing it, when Suarez was in his pump, I was like, lad, Suarez is, is a player and a half better than that fucking agent from Brazil. Yeah. And far rather lose, I still rather lose Suarez <laughs> in my squad than, than, than Neymar. Um, like, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get it at all. And, and he's alright, like, and I know Bretton feels exactly the same. He, he is a bit of a Charlotte Neymar. He does the odd flicks and tricks, but, um, uh, no, should never be anywhere near the Ballon d'Or. Not a, not a chance. And he, it, it's, it is weird that he does take the same month off every year. And I mean, whatever. But, um, it should, you're, you're, you're a marquee player. And he's not a marquee player anymore. But you're a marquee player. Shouldn't just bounce for a, for a month. Like, didn't he go four or five years out playing a last 16 knockout game in the Champions League because he was, uh, brackets injured? Four or five seasons? Like, the, that, like, that shouldn't be the case. Like, he should be there. In your big, well, holy fuck. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't expect that comment. That's class. Well, I'm going to be back to BBC now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I think on that note of the debate, we, we've had our little moment. We've all had our say on it. Um, we will probably we've talked enough. We will we will bring the podcast to a close this eve. Nothing seems to have happened transfer wise as we were on the show tonight. Jordan Brown Henderson though made his comeback Liverpool. My heart. Lovely stuff. Um, um here, what's Captain Robertson before we go? Uh it's gonna be weeks, not months. But it's oh, gonna okay. be weeks. Um but it did look very, very so So we um that is us back. The season starts on Friday. We might have a second pod later on the week, a smaller one. 
I'm trying to work on something we might, but if not, those will start uh, the following week when the season starts. But, folks, thanks, as always, for listening and for getting involved and for enjoying the show. We, we appreciate everyone that listens, messages, especially right now, that has now called Johnny Mudd on uh, Twitter. That gives the podcast a bit of a giggle every time I see it. Um, get all our shows um, on all the podcast apps, and you can also help by going on to our Patreon and donating for me one pound a month, twelve pound a year to help the lads produce podcasts and content. Brenton, what's the Patreon link? Patreon.com forward slash football babble. There you go. Check out all of our stuff on our social media channels, Instagram and Twitter at the football babble. And um, we'll chat this again during the week or possibly next week, but we'll let you know. Good luck.